dispensary approaches us for an account, we will set them up with an online link to a portal um, that will walk them through all the documentation requirements that we have and they just upload that information to the portal. And once that portal has been completed, um, then we would have one of our compliance specialists go in and, and start verifying all the, the, the files and the documents. Uh, after that has been done, then we actually go out and do a site visit yes. for every dispensary and see how they're conducting their operations live. Yeah, so there's some technological software that will help monitor um, all transactions running through an account and it will red flag certain transactions that appear out of the normal cycle. What will help in that regard is the States Act, uh, which is still um, in the House of Representatives, and that will allow for any activity that a state has um, deemed to be legal, um, that that would be exempt from any kind of federal prosecution. You know, beautiful thing in the world is just people showing kindness to each other. Uh, it's great when we can live in peace and harmony with each other and not have contention and disputes and arguments and wars. So just people being kind, I would say. Someone's opinion may contradict yours. Where's my friend Alan? It's all about your perspective. Who are we and what is the nature of this reality? Hey everyone, welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakyan. We are on site at the beautiful New West Summit, the Cannabis Tech Conference. We are now going to be speaking with Chris Call. Hi, Chris. Hi. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I'm very excited for this. Chris is the CEO of North Bay Credit Union, which is a full-service credit union, and it supports the cannabis banking as well. All right, Chris, let's start things off by learning more about who you are and how you got in even interested in this space. Sure. Uh, North Bay Credit Union, uh, located up in the North Bay, obviously, uh, <clears throat> was originally started 70 years ago as an agricultural credit union and we felt that as cannabis began to emerge as a greater agricultural crop in our area that it was a uh, area that we we should support uh, we, we've always been about supporting farmers and agriculture and so this was the next iteration of that process and also uh, we wanted to help address the public safety issue in our area because um, it was becoming a greater issue with uh, more and more uh, cannabis operators coming into the area and having no banking alternative. And so there was a lot of cash moving around our city streets and in, kept in homes and um, places that were just unsafe. So we wanted to help address that problem. So then how did this, you know, this was 70 years ago then when this first came up of, you know, this is a growing crop, a growing industry and that, you know, there's too much cash being stored in homes or just being moved around, like, you know, have it be banked, have it be safer. Um, so then what was that like? Do you, do you, do you, what, what are the stories around that time 
for uh, for the for the starting of the North Bay Credit Union? And well, we started out as an agricultural uh, credit union and supporting the agriculture in in the area at the time, which was largely fruit orchards, um, and then migrated to to vineyards. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of mm -hmm. vineyards and uh, winery operations in our area, uh, which we supported. And uh, like I said, now over time, in the recent years, with the passing of Prop 215 and now Prop 64, uh, a lot of that acreage in our area is being converted to cannabis uh, operations. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of uh, manufacturing facilities, distribution uh, operations come into the area as a result of that uh, cultivation activity. So. It was kind of a natu natural extension for what we were doing yeah. in agriculture prior to that time. Uh, so in the la it's just been in the last two years, really, that we've been involved with cannabis. Yes, okay. And then, so then what does that look like, like the team having so much uh, uh, focus on agriculture in terms of uh, in terms of food crop as well as um, uh, grapes for wine. Uh, and then how does the team readjust uh, to something like the new regulatory frameworks for cannabis? Yeah, well obviously cannabis is much different than any other business uh, because of the federal illegality issue. And so we've had to pivot our operations to address all of the compliance concerns. Um, we. Um, built up a whole department of compliance specialists uh, to help monitor all the activity in the accounts, to do all the due diligence work on any applications uh, that we get in. Um, it's our responsibility to ensure that all the money being introduced into the financial system is 100% legal. And so we have to monitor every deposit and make sure that it's the result of a legal sale. And it's just, it's a labor-intensive uh, task, uh, which we've tried to facilitate with some technological tools, but um, yeah, quite a bit different than any other business that we work with. You, you normally never have to monitor deposits to make sure they're 100% uh, uh, legal, uh, that they're actually real and not being like, uh, laun like laundered or what, what's like, yeah, versus what's the concern with the... Um well, we do have a responsibility as a financial institution to uh, know our customer and make sure that there's no illicit activities being conducted in, in the banking system. And so we do monitor cash transactions in particular because cash is difficult to monitor from a, a paper trail standpoint. And... Um, and with cannabis, obviously, which is a cash-intensive industry, there's uh, just an exponential number of those transactions as opposed to a regular business activity. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's the money laundering aspect that um, requires a lot, of, a lot of work. And uh, certainly with cannabis industry being part of the drug culture and whatnot, and there's been... Uh, players who've been involved with both illegal drug distribution as well as the legal cannabis operations. Um, it's our responsibility to make sure that anything, any money coming into the system is the result of a legal sale. Your responsibility to have to do that? Yeah, I mean, if we're going to allow the money to come to our institution, we, it's, it is our responsibility to make sure that it's 
uh, legit. Um, we're not law enforcement, um, and so we don't are probably not held as to the same standard of going to into you know, forensic accounting kind of work. But still, we're, we're responsible for at least making an effort to ensure that the money being deposited with us is is all legitimate. So then how do you leverage tools to be able to help you with that process? Yeah, so there's some technological software that will help monitor um, all transactions running through an account and it will red flag certain transactions that appear out of the normal cycle or appear like an excessive dollar amount um, or something that happens on a frequent recurring basis that looks unusual. It, it's just a warning signal to us to, uh, to go look at that a little bit more closely. Yeah, okay. So software kind of giving you insights into patterns that may be, uh, of course, harder to see by human eye, but also just uh, then you guys go look at them. What would you do then? Would you go and um, talk to the actual um, account holder about the, like what happens in that scenario? Yeah, that's when the investigation begins. And so you go talk to the account holder, you ask them to provide documentation for the transactions. Um, you see if, if what they're telling you jives with all, all else that you know about the business. For example, if you have a dispensary that you're working with and you know that they have a certain level of transactions every month based upon their normal sales activity and then one month it spikes way up, you want to understand why that is occurring. And oftentimes there's a legitimate reason for that and that's fine. Um, and what would be like a legitimate reason? Uh, maybe it's a 420 sale or something like mm -hmm. that, or uh, they've added a new line or a new product line or something. So, yeah. you know, we we can uh, we just want to understand that we know why the activity is different than what we may have expected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, like, um, what is it like then for? Um, also for an institution that begins to take on dispensaries, like what did it look like uh, a couple of years ago and what is it starting to look like now? Um, yeah, what, was, it, was it harder you know, two years ago? And why was it harder and why is it easier now? What came into place? Well, uh, we've been very selective about who we choose to bring on as, as members of, the, of, of our credit union. And so we're only dealing with what we feel are the most compliant, most transparent, most professional operators uh, in the industry, and those uh, operators generally have had a culture of compliance for a long time. And so introducing our banking requirements to them wasn't a big leap for them. It wasn't a hurdle for them to really have to deal with uh, because they were already doing it. Uh, we have been approached by a number of dispensaries that are more uh, Johnny-come-latelys, uh, newer to the game. And they're not used to the kind of stringent rules and requirements that we would apply to them. And so um, if they want to bank with us, they have to really ramp up their compliance efforts and uh, implement some, some things that are oftentimes costly and, um, and employee intensive um, to make sure that they're doing the things that we want them to do to be transparent and compliant with us. And the cannabis, um 
uh, industry now has uh, like f funnels for uh, credit unions or for banking like like do I have like a standardized application to join like a credit union like yours or like what would you look like for what would you look into for like transparency at a dispensary stuff like that we have a, a pretty extensive application process that we've developed for our own use I, I can't speak for what other financial institutions may do for their purposes but we felt like to uh, ensure that we're doing everything properly we've got a really extensive application process that goes into their financial history, their standard operating procedures, you know, the information on all of their principles and their organizational structure, mm. their operating agreements, their lease agreements. I mean, it's the whole, a whole gamut of documentation that we would yeah. require to go through to make sure everything's uh, above board. And then what percentage do you guys take in right now of, uh, of applicants, of total applicants? Well, uh, we're probably seeing, uh, we put out a lot of applications, um, not, I would say maybe 60% uh, actually complete the application process. Okay. I think some people, once they see what's required, will self-select out. Out, yeah. Yeah, because it's strenuous. Yeah. yeah, it is, so. And then what, out of those 60% that do submit, how many do you guys take in? Uh, most of them, you um, do. because okay. if they can complete the hurdle, yeah, it's pretty. And they yeah. and they uh, have all their documentation in order, and there's no problems. Then uh, we have been accepting most of those accounts. Very cool. And how many total uh, cannabis uh, accounts do you guys have now? Right now, we're at about 75 accounts. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And we've got about another 75 in the pipeline that are nice. waiting to be approved. Nice. nice. You have a team of people that have to then go and look through all of the different submission uh, right. milestones and check checkpoints. Right. And so they're, they're parsing, finding, making sure that everything's good, and then, damn, 75 more. So then, is there then, uh, like, oh my gosh, okay, I have so many questions. So, <laughs> so like, uh, there's like kind of like, a, a, there's, there's, a count, there's a count, there's, there's like uh, account, account staff or, uh, uh, at the the credit union that would then work with like specifically in terms of like a banker that works with the cannabis industry right. and so then they you have to hire more of those to deal with the 75 that are coming in yeah we've had to st add staff uh, as we've grown uh, so we have account managers or compliance specialists um, that work directly with the accounts um, and they're the ones that are constantly interacting with the account holders to get uh, ongoing information about financial statements and uh, sales transactions and those kinds of things. Uh, and so as we add more accounts, it's likely that we'll have to continue to add staff to accommodate that growth. And then do you guys uh, have an easy way to take the dispensaries uh, a sales report and like, through their like point of sale system and then you guys can just analyze that is that usually how right we actually tie into their uh, point of sale system and so we're getting real-time feeds from their point of sale system uh, into our system to monitor the activity and does that work how do, what is that software is that like a 
plugin that you had to have specifically designed? Or? Uh, we're using uh, the Hyper software, which is a, a software company serving the cannabis industry, yeah. and they're helping on the compliance side of, of, of the operation. Hyper yeah. is the company's name. And so then uh, Hyper designs uh, a, 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 the ability for like a, a, a credit union to be able to uh, kind of plug into a point of sale at a cannabis dispensary. Right. And then you guys get a stream of their transactions. Right. And then, you, and then Hyper d also does the analysis to create the flags. If uh, they do some of that. And we also use other technological tools to analyze it as well. There's um, anti-money laundering software uh, that Whoa. runs against the files as well to double check the activity. What are those called? What are those software platforms? Uh, we, we use, um, there's like Verifin, we use Banker's Toolbox. Verifin, Banker's Toolbox, mm -hmm. okay. Patriot wow. Officer is another. Patriot Officer, whoa. Um, and then what's, what would, you, what would you say is like the most uh, common um, thing that, uh, let's start with this one. What would you say is the most common thing that the dispensaries are um, missing in terms of, uh, uh, needing, they want to get into being banked through mm -hmm. a credit union, but they're but they're struggling with um, filling out one or two of these check check boxes that you require. Mm -hmm. What would you say are those check boxes, and how can um, you maybe uh, help uh, teach some of the people that may be interested in that process to to complete that? Yeah. Um, so one of the things we're finding with dispensaries in particular are a couple of issues. First of all. Um, there's the issue of an ATM on site, um, and we require that that ATM um, be not owned by the dispensary. It should be owned and operated by a third-party vendor mm. so that the dispensary doesn't have control over putting money into the ATM or taking money out of the ATM. Um, ATMs, unfortunately, have been used for money laundering purposes, and so if we take that whole responsibility away from the dispensary, then they have no control over it. The second area is the uh, payment system used by the dispensary. And we're finding that a lot of payment uh, dispensaries have been convinced by various parties that it's okay to accept credit cards or debit cards uh, using the Visa or MasterCard brand. And What, that's not okay? It's not okay. Why is that not okay? Um, so Visa, MasterCard, American Express have all prohibited um, purchases of cannabis products on their rails um, because it's a federally illegal product. And so they... Whoa, and no flexibility for illegal states. No, it's, just, it's the federal issue. So if a dispensary is taking credit cards, uh, they're probably violating federal laws um, and they're probably in jeopardy of... Uh, Whoa. some sort of action. And so we are working with a number of payment processing uh, companies um, that will be allow them to transact with their customers um, via an electronic movement of funds and it won't use the Visa, MasterCard, Rails. So then what are the current solutions for dispensaries besides cash? So there's, like I say, these, uh, they're called closed loop systems. Um, 
There's Hyper has a payment, a consumer payment product that is just an app. So it's like a Ven like a Venmo. It's style? kind of a Venmo situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's uh, others uh, that um, are used throughout the industry. Um, so it's just a it's a way for a consumer to uh, have a, an easy access to make a purchase without having to pull out a credit card or a debit card. And then, but that hyper would still tag into the classical banking accounts because, right. well, like Wells or Bank of America or whatever, they can't chase, they can't like, I can make a transaction at a cannabis store with through hyper through the bank, but right. just not through the Visa or the MasterCard card. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, it's just a, a, an ACH transfer between mm -hmm. your account and the dispensary's account to make that purchase. Yeah. It's a direct movement of funds. Yeah, nice. Well, bypasses the 3% or 2.75 or whatever yeah. transaction fee as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, so that and the ATM are the big two hurdles right now that you're seeing. Uh, yeah, those are two areas that we look at very carefully when evaluating an account. Yeah. yeah. And so a dispensary literally has, they have to have an ATM on site because, yeah, the people have to get cash a lot of the time. And so then they have to have a third party then operate it to be able to be banked by someone like you guys. Yeah. Okay. Where they also have to go through a process of educating their customers as they come through the door that they would need to use a platform like Hyper instead of their card or right. bring cash every time. Right. Yeah, the educational piece is really interesting in this as well because like you want to onboard people um, that want the health, wellness, the, all these other benefits that come from it, but you uh, want it to be frictionless. Like you don't want to create people that turn around and say this is too saturated with friction. Yeah, you don't want to make it so difficult that people just kind of walk away from it. Yeah, and then um, okay, now let's now let's talk about um, on the uh, most on the most common uh, instances with the uh, uh, the the flag the flag points that are called by uh, hyper and the, you said patriot. There's like all these other um, mm -hmm. you know, parsers uh, analyzers of the of the uh, of the transactions that are happening. Um, Flags were for, you gave us some examples earlier, like uh, big spikes maybe in a, in a day or big sale or whatever it may be. What are the other common um, ones and how do you deal with, uh, you know, with them? Is it like the account manager that goes and talks to them and then they learn and they say oh, approved? Or if they disprove because the story isn't adequate, then like what would be the next step? Like that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, there's a variety of situations that would cause us to launch uh, an investigation of some type. It could be a return of product if you're, uh, or, or bad product that has to be disposed of that's uh, not creating uh, revenue when, you know, the inventory movement doesn't match up with the sales product. Um, As in product was purchased because they thought it was good yeah. and it proved did not be good. Yeah, so uh, we've run into the situation where a product was purchased from a distributor, for example, uh, that wasn't labeled properly hmm. and therefore couldn't be sold, so it had to be returned to the distributor or disposed of. 
And so there's this disconnect between what was put out for purchase of inventory versus what was actually sold. And that's the kind of analysis that we would do to make sure that everything makes sense in terms of what the operation that we're dealing with. If there's a, a, a gap in uh, something that we would normally expect to happen, uh, then we start asking the questions. Where does, um, where do you see efficiencies to be made? Like, is there a streamlining of the um, like credit union application process that can happen where dispensaries can maybe begin like applying, you know, by submitting on, like online and just check marking through and then you guys maybe can automate some of the processes of, of viewing what they've, you know, like where do you see some of the efficiencies in the future of, of software helping out streamlining more? Yeah, we've actually already got the online application uh, down. Um, whenever a application or a, a, a dispensary approaches us for an account, we will set them up with a online link to a portal um, that will walk them through all the documentation requirements that we have and they just upload that information to the portal. Cool. And once that portal has been completed, um, then we would have one of our compliance specialists go in and, and start verifying all the, the, the files and the documents. Um, and then uh, after that has been done, then we actually go out and do a site visit for yes. every dispensary and see how they're conducting their operations live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, like, there's, there's a lot of things changing with uh, banking and regulations around uh, cannabis. W do you see some things that like the state level can do to make it uh, better for banks to work with the cannabis industry? Well, the state, state of California has actually been pretty good to work with um, because we're a cannabis-friendly state overall. Um, the banking regulators that we have to deal with are still um, in need of some education about how the industry works and what we face as financial institutions serving that industry. Um, I think there's still some misconceptions about some things that go on that um, they're catching up and I think they're becoming more knowledgeable about the industry and, and how banking works for the industry. But the real problem, Alan, is, is at the federal le level and getting the federal regulators uh, to um, allow the banking activities to proceed without interference. Um, and I think that's going to take a while. The Safe Banking Act uh, is certainly a big step forward, but um, you're not going to see a lot of banks or, or credit unions jump into this market until cannabis is deschedulized. Um, so that'll be a while. Okay, so at the federal level, we have this, this safe act that was moved through that is kind of slowly enabling the banking of the emerging market, but it's kind of just a baby step. Yeah. Okay. And then we need the bigger steps and the bigger steps, what would be like the second and third bigger steps to open up the banking? Um, so the SAFE Act uh, will remove, uh, will prohibit a banking, a state banking regulator 
from taking punitive actions against a financial institution conducting cannabis operations. It does not remove federal ability to come in and mm. prosecute or, or uh, investigate a financial institution for money laundering activities from a federal standpoint. What will help in that regard is the States Act, uh, which is still um, in the House of Representatives. And that will allow for any activity that a state has um, deemed to be legal, um, that that would be exempt from any kind of federal prosecution. So if that were to pass, that would certainly help things as well. But the mother load um, of of where this is all going to turn around is when cannabis is descheduled, as a class one drug. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's get there, and also um, distributing the the fruits of the democratization um, of the uh, the the cannabis is, is is critical. Cannabis comes in as emerging market, distributing the fruits. Uh, widely, very important. Um, maybe then another question that I um, that I should ask is uh, around the use of uh, again another thing that's an emerging market that's being stacked into this emerging market uh, cryptocurrency decentralization technology. Do you feel like um, how is that intermingling with uh, transactions at dispensaries? You know, we've seen some. Uh some payment platforms emerge recently that use cryptocurrency as their uh, tool of exchange. Um, we've been hesitant to do much with those companies because you're combining really two high-risk activities um, into a single transaction, and it, it's just uh, it's a lot to take on. Um, there's a, so much compliance work and oversight that has to go on with just cannabis activities that we don't need the additional complexity that arises when you throw in a, a cryptocurrency angle to it. Um, so, I mean, over time, I think that that's probably going to grow yeah. as an accepted means of transaction, but um, I don't think that's going to happen in the near, near term. And we're going to work our way into that slowly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see how it, it, yeah, it's like a double risk uh, in yeah. that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's another one of those things to hopefully uh, uh, get around the world faster and safer so that we can then be able to more swiftly use it at uh, within cannabis and so many other important transactions that we want to make. There's um, over overall. Uh, future of just cannabis dispensaries being banked. Do you see cannabis dispensaries always selecting to be banked? Do they always have to be banked? Um, what are alternative options for them? Uh, ideally, they would be banked. I mean, it's hard to pay your bills. It's hard to pay your employees if you can't write a check. You know, if you're always dealing in cash, you're always going to have this issue of uh, storing the cash, counting the cash, keeping your operations safe, you know, from any kind of criminal activity. 
So ideally, um, more cannabis operators would find banking solutions and we could remove that cash handling component from, from their activities, just like any other business that, that operates on a, a mostly electronic currency basis. Um, so it's difficult until more banks start getting into that space. Um, we can only take on so many accounts as a small credit union. Um, so we're going to need other players to join us in this effort. And then do you see some of the, the protocols that you've uh, laid down as, as frameworks for dispensaries to come onto your credit union? Do you see, are there any inquiries happening from Colorado or Washington or other states where they reach out and they ask for those frameworks? And is there some sharing going on of the protocols to onboard dispensaries to banks? Well, we, I, I get approached uh, fairly frequently by uh, banks or credit unions that want to start a cannabis program and they want to know what our experience has been and how we do it and what our compliance um, team looks like and what the procedures are. And I'm happy to share information with them, um, but it, it's, a, it's not something that you do overnight. I mean, it's a, a month-long, if not a year-long process to just get the infrastructure in place to start taking on accounts. Um, we, we followed uh, sort of the template of a credit union, uh, Partner Colorado Credit Union in Colorado. Mm -hmm. They were really the first in this area um, and kind of the leader in that regard. So we followed what they did and, uh, and then built our own program here in California according to the uh, California market and California state laws around cannabis. Seems like hopefully in the future we'll be able to do things like uh, create the f these similar frameworks that were brought from Colorado to here that are then now being brought on to so many other banking institutions that want to take on cannabis industry. Like if we can do things like help them get the, the greatest amount of signal from the protocols and implement them quickly, then they can then bring on the cannabis uh, dispensaries themselves faster. So then, so there's also, in addition to dispensaries, you guys take on uh, like farmers as well? Yeah, we do the whole supply chain. Uh, cultivators, manufacturers, distributors, delivery services, um, ancillary accounts like packagers or... Um, Damn, even a packager? Yeah. A packager can't be banked because they're, they're packaging cannabis stuff. Right. Wow. That's so crazy. And they have to like go get their own license for the packaging Well, they stuff. don't have to be licensed. If you're not plant touching, oh. you don't need to be licensed. But if you're accepting revenue from a cannabis operation, uh, it's very difficult to find a banking relationship um, because banks don't want to have anything to do with cannabis money. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, so okay, so packagers are banked by you, uh, farmers are distributors, so, so uh, like, um, the, the, the last mile delivery companies banked yeah. by you. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we've had some on our show, so then they must be either working in complete cash or banked by someone like you guys. Mm -hmm. How do you guys, how do you guys figure out the analytics on the side of, uh, yeah, on, on the last mile on, on the drivers or on the, 
These are so this uh, this software like Hyper help with all of those the farmers and the packagers. It can it can do all of those. It can analyze all those. Well, there's certain elements that are going to apply to all license types, um, uh, compliance elements, um, and then there's nuances for each license type that have to be considered individually. So, obviously, when you're dealing like with a consumer in a retail setting, like a dispensary, it's a different set of compliance um, analytics than if you're just growing the product as a cultivator and you're not dealing with any consumers. Yeah. Um, so we have to consider those differences and we, we've incorporated those into our pr internal procedures. Like getting one big transaction of like 100,000 bucks for product right. every couple of months or whatever. Right versus the couple minutes right. a buy at a store, stuff like yeah. that. Interesting. Seems like also the more that the data silos uh, open up and are able to talk to each other, then like your information about a certain you know, farmer and the way that they grow and then um, and distribute uh, can also help other uh, banking institutions better understand their um, growers and, and, uh, and their dispensaries. So like the more that your data silos can talk to each other, the more insights you can see from each other. And, yeah, and it creates a domino effect too because the more you can service the entire supply chain, you're, you're able to remove the cash that would go all the way from the, the manufacturer who's paying the, the cultivator and the distributor who's paying the manufacturer and the retailer who's paying the distributor, if you're banking all of those, yeah. then it's all a it's all visible. Interbank transfer of funds. Yeah, interbank. And you don't have yeah. to deal with the cash payments. So mm. that's mm. that's the uh, advantage of. Well, it's all digital. You're just moving it in their accounts then. Yeah. 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 Which is how it should be. There shouldn't be the need to move cash. That's why this stuff's really. <laughs> that's why this stuff's really interesting. Just to just be able to send you a, a bit of crypto yeah. and yeah, or yeah. just be a digital bit. You know, just change those little bits in the in the accounts. Yeah. You know, so yeah. That's fascinating. That's a really interesting part of our future. That yeah. That I hope that we can get to and also just move away from move away from fiat and also uh, regardless money is something that is uh, just a shared collective hallucination um, uh, and uh, one that's at least more decentralized, one that's a, a more in the power of people uh, seems to be something that we're all excited to move towards. So there are two questions that we like asking that are, you know, that are, uh, that we ask on every show that are different than what we n normally talk about with our, um, with our guests topic-wise. The first question is, uh, do you think we're in a simulation? <laughs> wow, that's an interesting thought. Um, sometimes I wonder. Sometimes life is too strange to <laughs> think that it's uh, occurring without some sort of uh, manipulation somewhere. Yeah. But. In design, yeah. 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 Although, uh, I don't know if we're in the matrix, so I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> and the other question is, what do you think is the most beautiful thing in the world? Ah. 
you know, beautiful thing in the world is just people showing kindness to each other. Yeah. Uh, it's great when we can live in peace and harmony with each other and not have contention and disputes and arguments and wars. So just people being kind, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on our show and teaching us about this. This has been so interesting learning yeah, about cannabis speaking. Thank you. Fun. Thank you. Glad you had a good time. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, check out the links in the bio below to Chris's work. Check out the links in the bio to the North Bay Credit Union as well. Check that out. Also have more conversations about that. Have more conversations about the New West Summit as well. Check those links out in the bio. And also support the artists, the entrepreneurs, the organizations, the leaders around the world in your communities that you believe in. You can support us in our show. Our links are below. And go and build the future, everyone. Manifest your dreams into the world. We love you very much. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you soon. Peace. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thank Good job. You. That was yeah. very enlightening. There's so much complex nuance to It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm getting so many requests to do these kinds of things because yeah. not many people really know about all this stuff.